So this entire series is built on John chapter 4, verse 23, where it says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And so this morning, we're going to dive into what does that mean to worship in spirit? What does it mean to be spirit-filled and spirit-led? And I would say this. So I grew up in a a church. I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, We went to church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group, kids programs, uh, all summer long. I've been on mission trips. I've done all these things. I grew up in the church. I, I kind of ran away in high school and college not wanting to be a pastor. I didn't think I'd be a pastor, and God called me back later on in my college years. I got an undergrad in biblical studies. I got a master's of art in biblical studies. I got a master's of divinity, and so I have all of these things where I've been studying God's word, and I've been in full-time ministry as a pastor since 2003, and I tell you all this Because the topic we're going to talk about today has been the most eye-opening and I believe the most important thing that I have learned on my journey, and I believe it is something that you cannot just learn logically, that this is something from God, from his word, that is deeper than even our thoughts and our ability to understand things with cognitive thinking. And so, we are going to look into this idea of our spirit, our spirit. What is your spirit? We talk about spirituality. We talk about being spirit-filled. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We use this word spirit a lot. Some people use spirits. We're not talking about that today. (laughs) But I believe this is essential. I believe this is something that God, only God himself, through his Holy Spirit, can actually teach us about. And so we're going to look at what God has to say And we're going to ask ourselves, um, what does this mean to me and how can I live it out? And so before we go to God's word, let's precede it with prayer. Father God, you are holy, you are just, you are in the spirit. We just read, Lord, from your word that you are spirit and you are true. And so, Lord, as we dive into information that is eternal in nature We pray that you would protect us, not to be misled, not to be deceived, uh, not to lose sight of what is true and what is right. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you'd fill us with discernment and wisdom. That Lord, we would know you more because of your words today. Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading of your words. Lord, we pray that whatever distraction, whether it's our physical flesh wanting to eat or sleep, uh, whether it is our, our inner man that is filled with thoughts and distractions and stresses, Lord, I pray that both of those things would be put to silent and that, Lord, only your voice would be audible in our brains right now in our spirits. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless this. We look forward to your return. We know that the future is eternal in you and that our investment and our lives are are set in your hands if we know you as Savior. And so we pray that you'd bless this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at a 
a few verses because I believe there's, a, there's quite a breadth of information about the concept of spirit within the Bible. And so we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And so these are not my opinions or my views. These are what, this is the, the teaching of God's word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. It says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we're told that there are three parts of the man. There are three parts to every single one of us in this room. We are made up, we consist up of three distinct parts. So what are those parts? What are the three parts of a person? The first is the outermost man, and that would be your body, your flesh. Right now, go ahead and pinch yourself. That's the flesh. Guess what? That has an expiration date on that. Right? And for many of us, we know that there is a beginning, middle, and end, and we're somewhere on that spectrum to where our flesh is. Correct? So the flesh is made up of our five senses, our taste, our touch, our see, our hearing, and our smelling. Our, our, our ability to understand and interact with the world comes from our flesh or from our body. And the world knows us mostly from our body and our flesh. And so that would be a part of who we are. Every single one of us is made up of the outer man. I would say this is the outermost man. And then we are made up of the outer man which is our soul. This is yourself. This is your identity. This is your character. This is your personality. This is your emotions and intelligence. This is your will and conscience. This is the part of you within you that leads you. It's the part you think. It's the part that, that you decide on a day-to-day basis what you will and will not do. This is your outer man. It's not the, it's not the inner man yet. This is still the outer man. This is your logic. This is your ability to understand things. And thirdly, we are told here that there is a body, there is a soul, and then there is a spirit. Now, the body and soul are alive in everyone that's on the planet today. The third, the spirit, some it's alive, some it is not alive. The spirit is the inner man. The inner man is the discernment that is given by God. It is the peace that is given by God. It is the revelation that is given by God. It is the place of communication between us and God. It's how we pray. It's how we hear from God. It is where God gifts us when we become his. This is where we are given a ministry to minister in. This is where we are given power from God. And so it's very important to understand that there are three distinct aspects of your nature. There is your body, there is your soul, and there is your spirit. And so what what is the difference between the soul and the spirit? What is the difference between the soul and the spirit? Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide what? What does it divide? Soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 says that it divides the soul and the spirit. That God's holy word will divide us and it will reveal the difference between my soul and my spirit. These are two different parts of every one of us in this room. Every single one of us in this room 
The, the word of God will divide both our soul and our spirit. So where does the spirit come from? Amen. Amen. The spirit is speaking this morning. <laughs> what does God do in the spirit? John six thirty six. the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. So this is such an important thing for us to understand. One of the confusing things to me as I look at the world is why is there so much evil? Why do people tend to choose bad over good? Why do people invest so much of their time, their energy, and their finances in things they know are destructive and hurtful? Why? Why is the world the way it is? I would submit to you this morning, I would submit to you this morning, that when you are led by your flesh, or you are led by your soul, you are led by sin. Sin dwells in the soul. Sin dwells in the flesh. You see, the problem is we all have this, and these are the places they live in in our lives. It lives in my flesh. I desire things I shouldn't have, things that will hurt me, things that will destroy me. I desire things in my thought life. I desire things in my consciousness. I reject God in my thinking. I reject God in my logic because these have been tainted by sin. There are two parts of every person on the planet that have been tainted by sin, our flesh and our soul. And so that is an extremely large problem for us to face as humankind. If all of our souls are tainted by sin and all of our flesh is tainted by sin, then we are headed for destruction. And we look at a world and we see a world where the leaders of the world, where the governance of the world, that they are being led by the flesh, they are being led by the soul, and it is corrupted. You know, there's places in the world where if you get pulled over by the police, um, they just expect you to bribe them out of it. It is, it is known, there's places on the planet that that's built into the financial structure of that place, is bribery. How can that be? Because we are being led by our flesh. We are being led by our soul. And the spirit is dead. The spirit is not made alive. There is a difference. This morning, think about all the decisions you've made in your life. Think about all the things you've done in your life. When you've made decisions in your life that you know have been destructive. You've made decisions in your, your life you know have been harmful. When you've looked at your friends and family and you've seen these decisions made. Where were they birthed? What was leading that decision? What was leading the decision to do drugs? What was leading the decision to the divorce? What was leading the decision to the financial disaster? Was it the flesh? Was it the soul? My logic, my ability to understand, my will. Do you see, when you look at the world with that lens and you begin to realize that all of Scripture, that Jesus said, I've come to teach you a mystery, and this is the mystery, that we are made of three things, body, soul, and spirit. And if our spirit is dead, then we cannot have communication with God, and he cannot lead us and give us discernment. He cannot give us wisdom. He cannot give us the, the view of the world that he has. There's so many intelligent people that have resisted God. 
Because they are led by their soul. They are led by their intellect. Let us remember the intellect is is corrupted. Let us remember the body is corrupted. They both will have an end. They will be destroyed one way or the other. And so we are given this beautiful thing, the Spirit of God. This is what Jesus came to instill in us. He came to give us life and give it to us in abundance. And so we continue on. What does God do in the Spirit? John 6, 3, he gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. Do you know you're a temple? Do you know this building is not where God dwells? He dwells in you. You are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you. There is an emptiness in every man, woman, child in this planet. And that emptiness can only be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The things of God. Where does the Spirit come from? John 3, 6 through 8 says, The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it is, comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. My prayer is that every single one of you in this room have hear, heard the gospel clearly. You've heard it clearly and you've made a decision. A clear understanding that you are lost in your sin. You are spiritually dead. You are separated from God eternally. You have been divorced of God. And there is only one way to reconcile that. And that is by Jesus, the perfect sacrifice coming, born of a woman, pure and holy, living a perfect life, dying on a cross, being dead for three days and raising from the grave. And in doing so, establishing true life. And he says, I must go so that the one that is promised can come. And who is that? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is like a wind that falls upon you when you receive him and he begins to direct you. He begins to give you discernment and understanding. And his word, God's word, speaks through it to you. And so this morning, have you been twice born? Have you been born of the Spirit? There are so many things in this world that will never make sense until you are twice born. How do I know that? Because I know the world has a certain view of the Spirit. You know the world has a view of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them what? Foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned how? Only through the Spirit. It reminds me of a story I heard of a young girl who had been taking all these science lessons and learning about humanism and learning about secularism and she began to doubt the existence of God and, and she went to the pastor and she said, Pastor, I've come up with books and books, pages and pages of questions I want you to answer. Books and books and pages and pages of questions I want you to answer. And he said, look, before I go through these questions and I, I respond to them, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go home. And I'd like you to ask God, if you're real, show yourself, and, and who is Jesus? And after you answer those two questions, come back and we'll talk. The young woman went home and she prayed and said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. I want to know Jesus. 
If he's my savior, I want him to be my savior. You know, she came back to that pastor the next day and she said, you know what, all these questions I have peace about now. It's not a logical problem. It's not a problem of the, of the flesh. It's not a problem of the soul. It's a problem of the spirit. When you're spiritually dead, life won't make sense. When you're spiritually dead, it'll seem foolish to come to church on Sunday. It'll seem foolish to read a book that's 2,000 years old. It'll seem foolish to listen to people that lived 4,000 years ago. It'll seem foolish to believe that a book was given to us by God himself. It'll seem foolish that a God created all that we see. It'll seem foolish to give your life as a sacrifice to him is true life. It will only make sense. It'll only make sense when your spirit is born alive. It'll only make sense when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Can we hinder the spirit? Yes, we can. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do you know how we quench the spirit? Quench means to, to, to cause it to, to walk away or not to be involved. Do you know what we can do? We can be led by our flesh. We can wake up every morning and let our flesh dictate what we're going to do that day. Body, lead me. Do you know how many people I see and, and, and I recognize, because it's very easy to fall into this trap, have committed their whole lives to being physically fit? <laughs> They're trying to slow down aging process, slow down the deterioration of the body, and their whole life is to have life go a little bit longer and a little bit healthier. Right? And they are led by their flesh. Unfortunately, that is a there's a, a hopeless venture. It is very temporary and very deceitful. But there are many people today, many people all over the world that are led by their flesh. There are many people that are led by their soul. They're led by their intellect. They're led by their logic. They're trying to achieve some greatness at work, achieve some amount of money, achieve some sense of, of, of having what this world has to offer. That retirement that house, that boat, that car, whatever it is. And they're being led by their soul. But both the soul and the flesh are dead. You know, at Christmas and my kids' birthdays, we get a lot of toys. Do you know what all these toys always need? Batteries. Batteries. And they don't come with batteries. And it drives me nuts. And then, the, and then it's like you have to have a certain screwdriver to even get to where the battery goes. But you know, a toy is great to look at on a box, and a toy is great when you have it, but it really doesn't fulfill its purpose until the battery is in it, and it powers it. Do you know the Holy Spirit of God, you were created to be filled with His Holy Spirit power, and no matter how smart, how, uh, uh, how much ability you have in this life, how much stuff you have in this life, if it isn't powered by the Spirit of God, it is dead. And it is, it is but wind that will be here and gone. It is but sand that will fly away. It has no eternal value, no eternal purpose. And we, we need to understand that, that our whole existence, 
Our whole existence is to let our spirit lead our flesh and let our spirit lead our soul. We all get it backwards. We're being led by the wrong thing and then we wonder why we're so miserable. Because we spent our whole lives being led by the thing God never intended to lead. And Jesus says, he says, confess and believe and allow my Holy Spirit to lead you. And you will have life and you will have it to an abundance. And there are things in your life that God will do. There are things that you will see and you will have life. And it'll be beyond what the world has to offer. So how do we do this? How can we grow in the spirit? How can we live in the spirit? How can we be spiritually healthy? James, the brother of Jesus, gives us an amazing tool on how to do this. James 1, 23 through 25 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you know where the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you the loudest? In his words. In his testimony, in his revelation. You know, I've done this, and, and I'm trying to, our family's doing this. We commit every day to reading God's word. And every day I see something new that I've learned and grown in. Every day I see something in that perfect law of love, that mirror that shows me who I really am. That mirror, that spiritual mirror that shows me how much flesh am I living for? How much of my own intellect am I living for? How much of my will am I following? That perfect law of liberty, that perfect law of love is a mirror that I look at and I see myself clearly for who I am. And then I, I'm allowed then to grow and mature. I need to stop doing those things. I need to stop letting my flesh lead me. Even this very morning, I prayed on the way to church. I don't want to be led by the flesh. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. I want this church, I want us to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. For us to do that, we have to have an unswerving commitment to God's word. We have to have an unswerving commitment to praying and seeking his counsel and to submitting our energy, submitting our time, submitting our finances to him and saying, they're yours, not mine. I will not be led by my flesh. I will not be led by my intellect or soul. I will be led by the Holy Spirit of God. That is what we're called to this morning. That is the message. That is the mystery. That is what the world does not understand. And that is what is offered to every single person in this world. To be healthy spiritually, we must be led by the Spirit. Are you led by the Spirit? Is your family led by the Spirit? You know, there's a day that's in the future that's set that will be the end of your life. And wherever your life has led to, that's where it ends. And then you move into the spiritual realm. You move on from this life into the true life that exists past this life. 
And so it's these days that are important. Because these days are, are setting a path for the future. And I know you don't want this, and I don't want this. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have been led the whole way, every day in my life, being led by my flesh, being led by my soul and my intellect. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have gone a journey in my life that was completely led by my sinful nature, by my own corruption. I want to live a life that at the end I had followed the Spirit of God to where he led me, into his home, into his family, to his wedding feast. How can you do that? How can we do that? How do we apply this? I would say right now, all of us should take inventory, consider what we're being led by. Are you being led by your body? Are you being led by your soul? Are you being led by the spirit? Every human on this planet is being led by one of those three things. How do we know what we're led by? By the choices we make. Just take inventory. Just take a whole week and see what did I do hour to hour and why did I do it? We are the culmination of the decisions we make hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. That is the journey we are on. And until you come to Christ, every single man, woman, and child is headed for destruction. And in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God turns you and he directs you to life. Eternal life. How do you live it out? You prioritize time to seek God. We prioritize what we believe. We prioritize what we care about. If we care about our flesh, we prioritize time for our flesh. If we care about our intellect, we prioritize time for our intellect. If we prioritize the Spirit of God, we make time for the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter what I say up here. It doesn't matter what we say as a church. It matters what we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, hour to hour, day to day. That is what being a follower of Christ is about, following him every minute of every day of your whole life. To do that, you have to prioritize it. You have to make it valuable to you. You have to make it something that is important that you cannot miss. You will miss other things in place of it. If you haven't experienced the Spirit working in your life, look at how you've committed your life. And then ultimately, and this is the most beautiful part of it all, ask God to help. He doesn't expect us to fix ourselves. He doesn't expect us to all of a sudden stop being led by our flesh, stop being led by our soul. He expects us to ask for help. And you will be shocked what will happen when you start asking God out loud for help. Say, God, I need help. I need your help, God. You know, God never turns his back on someone who calls for help. God never will turn his back on you if you ask for his help. But I'm stubborn and I'm prideful and I can't ask for help. That is the challenge. Will I submit that to the Lord? This morning, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, if you are not twice born, if you are not spirit-filled, if you don't recognize you are, you are the vessel, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and you know that you have abundant life, and you know that if we were to die at this moment where you would be eternally, and that you would be in the true life, 
then you can do that right now. There's nothing keeping you from that. Confess, Jesus, I need you. I'm dead spiritually. But I believe, my belief is that you have raised from the dead. You have defeated my flesh and my soul. And you have given victory for eternal life. And I want to receive that today. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to do that. Or maybe you've made that decision, but you've been living in the flesh and you've been living in the soul. But you haven't been living in the spirit. And today, you need to recommit, redirect your life and say, you know what? The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to me right where I am, and I need to do this. I cannot put this off. I cannot look the other way. This is important and valuable. This is a priority of my life. It's to allow the Holy Spirit of God.